We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 245 On this episode, we've got some Well, we've got a bunch of uh, cancellation and renewal news from the last week to talk about And then we'll be discussing uh, some recent episodes of Scorpion the Blacklist, How to Get Away with Murder, and Madam Secretary, and then the season premieres of Manhattan Love Story and A to Z. Then we'll have some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 245. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Ivy West from Click Clack and the Blockbuster Podcast. And Kyle Nolan from noreruns.net. And no, I'm not Amory. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Amory, happy birthday. Your voice has changed a little. Yes, that is uh, that is correct. Kyle is, once again, not Amory. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, we got our uh, we got our schedules a little uh, messed around and kind of we sort of all forgot that the every other week that Amory's on that would normally be this week is also her birthday. And since she didn't really want to stop walking around uh, Walt Disney World to podcast on her birthday, which, you know, seems understandable. Kyle graciously uh, accepted to uh, take her place. Kyle, I'm going to create a fake Twitter account called Not Amory and just fill it in with all your information. <laughs> it sounds good to me. I, I think I've been introduced more as Not So-and-So on this podcast right. than as myself. But if you're going to be Not Amory, you have to, like, you have to occasionally break out into song or take us on a weird tangent at some point. I'll talk about how much I hate original Skittles and how they're not really original anymore. <laughs> I just want to do a prime time just once. That's I'm just going to fit that in. Uh, all right. And with that, we'll move to the news, which, as I said, there's a, a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff that uh, some of these, like as soon as we finished recording last week's podcast, it was like I finished saving the audio and I went out and checked email and boom there was like three more things that got like canceled or renewed uh, last monday so some of these some of these have been around for a little bit but uh, we haven't mentioned them on the podcast yet so first up uh, abc family has renewed young and hungry for a second season which i like that show so that'll be uh, that'll be good uh, amazon has uh, picked up hand of god and red oaks from their uh, third set of pilots I haven't got a chance to watch any of the third set of pilots yet. I don't think Ivy, you said you hadn't watched any. Kyle, did you watch? I watched all but one of them, which is one of the ones they're not picking up. These two, I thought Hand of God was well done and had a good cast, but it just wasn't for me. Uh, and Red Oaks, while I didn't think it was great, it was more like a um, like a Caddyshack type of TV series, but I thought it was probably the best out of the bunch as far as what I would watch. So, uh, I mean, if they're going to pick up any of them, I'm glad they picked up that one. Yeah, I think it's ABC, and it might be CBS now that I say that out loud, has a similarly themed um, set at a country club you know, show that supposedly they're working on for mid-season or summer that they've changed the name of like four times now, I think. Um, which was one of those things that made me kind of wonder. It's like, well, if this show does well, if Amazon ever, you know, depending on how long it takes Amazon to actually get it, you know, launched, um, will that kind of push this this thing that's sat on the bubble of pick up, not pick up? You know what I mean? When we're going to run it, we're not going to run it, you know, for a while now. Might kind of push it the rest of the way out. Yeah, I don't know. 
maybe it'll just get them to finally make a decision like, yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, some, sometimes shows like to congregate together. So maybe, it, true. maybe it'd be good news for, <laughs> for similar shows. We get a lot of, a lot of shows that are very similar that sort of perk up around similar times and uh, end up on TV or in this case uh, on the internet. Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, Disney Channel has renewed Star Wars Rebels for a second season. Sweet. Didn't they just start airing the first season? Yeah, the first yeah. episode aired, episodes aired Friday night, right? Yeah, and then it officially premieres on like October 13th, I think, on our. 13th or 10th on Disney XD or something. I like that the, the tie-in novel, oh, I guess it's not really a tie-in novel for Rebels as much as it's just a, you know, Star Wars and Lucasfilm and Disney restarting the books. Um, but it introduced Kanan and Hera, or Kanan and Hera, and I'll never pronounce that guy's name right, but um, Freddie Prince's junior character. But it's it introduced them, and then... You start watching – if you've read the book and you start watching Rebels, it skips ahead like two or three years. It's like f- much farther down the road, whereas you know the book covers when these two characters meet and the show jumps in where like th- there's a fully formed team. And I'm like, wait, what? Uh, See, that's yeah. the benefit of not reading. <laughs> I, 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 had n- I had no idea this was based off of the book. I just watched the, the thing on Friday night. But well, it, uh, wasn't, it wasn't based off a book as much as they yeah. wrote an introduction to a couple of the characters. Yeah, well, maybe they you know they just left some some time because they are going to do more books within that time frame. Mm, that's true. Something like that. I'm really worried about where this show can go, though. I mean, if it's set, I, I break out my nerd thing. I think it's set 15 years after the end of um, the last prequel, and that makes it in the three or four years in front of the battle. I mean, um, A New Hope. It's like we introduced two Jedi characters that really can't be alive in four years. So we're going to watch them both die. And it's like, what is this show going to be about? And it finally ends. You know what I mean? What, what, wait, what? Huh? It's a cartoon. It's on Disney. But, you know, whatever. It looks good. I enjoyed it. All right. And then uh, FX renewed a couple of, well, I'll put them in quotes, comedies. Uh <laughs> Uh, married and uh, you're the worst for second seasons. Uh, you're the worst will be moving to FXX, which seems more appropriate for uh, the type of show that it is and the type of audience that it gets and uh, the type of audience that they're supposedly after on FXX as opposed to FX. And lots of people, including Amory, will be very happy that it got. Oh, I'm really happy. I really enjoyed You're the Worst, but I'm scared. I'm scared of the move to FXX is that if that's where it goes to die because no one knows where that channel is. <laughs> yeah, just just ask uh, what a W Kamau Bell <laughs> about moving to FXX and legit also moved there and that got canned after another season. Yeah, I don't know. It it seems more likely, but to me, I just don't understand why. I, I mean, I guess you know the different. You know, having trying to go after a, a completely different demographic sort of type of thing, but in some respects, I don't understand why you, if you're FX, you just don't now have shows on all the time. You know, like year round, you have two or three nights a week that there's something airing, instead of splitting your a bunch of shows off to another network because you're after a slightly younger demographic uh, with those shows or something. I don't know. 
I mean, I have I have a little more hope for FXX due to the Simpsons yeah. being on like <laughs> almost eighty percent of the time on that channel. <laughs> the the every Simpsons ever marathon, I think, is probably like the first time that many people were like, "Oh, <laughs> there's a channel called FXX." The other problem with FXX is because of the channel that it took over, is it shows up in in and near like a lot of sports channels and things on on a lot of cable. Uh, dial so it's not like you know it's not near the rest of the you know the tnts and the usas and the fx and stuff like that i was gonna say or you can be on on cox where there's no rhyme or reason to the order of the channels <laughs> whatsoever well there's there's not a cox there's there's you know there's some rhyme to reason as to how some of the cha- you know some of the things are on on a comcast but uh it just happened that the channel that it took over on Comcast was, you know, was a sports network of some sort. I forget exactly which one it was for that Fox had, but uh, but it, you know, it put it in a completely different place mm-hmm. <laughs> on the dial from being anywhere near, uh, on, at least on Comcast. So that that hasn't helped it uh, for people trying to. You're not going to accidentally flip to it, really, <laughs> unless you're flipping through the sports channels, and then you're going to be like, <laughs> wait, what is this? Yeah, the entirety that I know about You're the Worst is Amory talking about it on this podcast. I'd never heard of it until <laughs> the, Amory the started first talking episode, about this podcast. The first episode was horrible, but it got better and better every week after that. So if you only watch the pilot, keep watching. Yeah, and, that's the only one I've ever that's the only episode I've ever seen. <laughs> Meanwhile, Married was like the, the opposite. The 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 pilot was okay, but it just got worse every week. <laughs> <laughs> went downhill for ten episodes. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably that's probably not a good sign. But yeah, for whatever reason, you're the worst. Became the critical darling of uh, this season. Mm. Uh, well, that and uh, the Amazon show that just launched. Uh, transparent. The, yeah, transparent. Those that was like the new fall show that was like the the thing that all the critics liked. And and you're the worst became everybody's favorite comedy. I don't care about what the TV critics like. <laughs> I I just <laughs> oh, find... oh wait a minute wait a minute that's us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just I just find it funny what certain shows tend to get become sort of within you know this group of people out there seems to become like their favorite thing and how more times than not I'm on the other side of you know this like on the other side of a lot of those things. I think Carla made Carla Day made a pretty good point when you guys were doing the CBS preview a couple of weeks ago when she was talking about when you guys were talking about uh, Stalker and Scorpion and how sometimes there almost seems to be and I hate to like you know throw shade on those as you call them in the past this upper echelon of TV critics but there does seem to be a hive mind mentality sometimes where, you know, one, one person will like the show. And then the next person was like, well, I really like it too. And, and it's snowballed and it's not necessarily, I don't want to say that, you know, people can't think for themselves, but it's, it's you'd, like you said, it's ironic that there seems to be this huge buzz about a particular show specifically from critics that doesn't necessarily translate to any other aspect ratings, you know, cultural by anything other than the critics really like it. Well, Stalker is like on the other the 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 other side yeah. of it. Stalker is like the most hated show by most critics, and yet, you know, and, and, you know. So it's it's kind of an interesting uh, interesting thing. Yet, you know, if you <laughs> you look at the the number of people that watched or were interested, 
in it at least. I'm interested to see what Stalker does in the second week to see if it if any of the sort of mini controversy around it got it, you know, that like extra viewers and it'll it'll drop off significantly in the second week or something. As much as I defended that show to a lot of people, uh, it's not on my DVR list. And it's not because I think it's – it's just not my show. You know what I mean? Like people uh, people say, oh, if you like Criminal Minds, you'll like Stalker. I like, well, I don't like Criminal Minds either. I'm not saying it's a bad show. I'm just saying it's not for me. That that works out perfectly. you know. And if, yeah, if you don't like Criminal Minds, you're probably not going to like Stalker. Yeah. And, uh, so I won't be watching that network that yes. night. And on a completely different note, NBC has renewed Hollywood Game Night for a third season. <laughs> Uh, which will be back for another 10 episodes, I'm assuming, like next summer or something. Uh, or who knows when the, they'll run those. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> Whenever they need to. That's the, that's the, like, the ultimate backup. Uh, when uh, That's the Kyle of NBC? Yes. That's <laughs> I'd watch it anytime. So it's like a double Kyle. <laughs> Kyle's going to punch me next time he sees me. <laughs> next up, a Showtime has announced that uh, they're going to be doing some more Twin Peaks, uh, a nine-episode nine series where it'll pick up at some point after <laughs> where Twin Peaks ended. And uh, who knows what cast members or whatever will end up, if any of the originals will end up back in it or or whatnot. But uh, the people behind it that, that brought you the original are bringing you this. So My Twitter feed exploded when this happened. I mean, it was like it wouldn't stop. It was just because I've got mine set to scroll. Do you know what I mean? And it was just it was like watching the ticker at the bottom of the 24 hour news just spinning, you know, going and going and going. And I'm really, really happy for Twin Peaks fans. I'm not one of them. Yeah, I felt the same way. I I think it's great to see a a loved show come back, but I still have never watched it. It just looks too odd and weird maybe i guess showtime's going to be re-airing the first two seasons before this starts so maybe i'll try to watch it on showtime when it when it actually airs but we'll see Mm. yeah no i've only seen like a handful of episodes maybe or you know just a little bit here and there enough to you like get the jokes in the psych spoof episode of twin peaks you know (laughs) like but not you know, but not really enough to really know all that much about, uh, you know, what went on in the series. So, you know, that might be one to catch up on at some point. Yeah, have fun with that. Whenever they, <laughs> whenever these episodes actually uh, uh, show up. Speaking of shows in that similar, <laughs> similar vein, but going the other direction, TNT has canceled Dallas after three seasons, which... Sort of ratings-wise, where it started out and where it ended up in the third season, I could see them canceling it. But it's also the one thing that I hate about serialized shows on cable and the way that, and their production schedules is that basically they blow somebody up at, in the final episode, and you're never going to know if they really died or not. <laughs> Wait a minute, like, we're not going to find out who shot Jr. Yeah, that's <laughs> what. It's like one of those that uh, – so that's that's the only thing I, I hate about that is, uh, you know, if they were going to – but when they produced these episodes, you know, they still had high hopes or whatever of what it was going to do. But then when they aired them, they didn't do as well. And then, you know, down the line, they decide they're going to to cancel it. But then everybody that was watching it is left with a cliffhanger 
And you know, it's that's it's just the because when the they, I'm sure they knew at some point in time when the season was airing, but those episodes were in the can already. Mm. You know, it's not like they can just fire it back up and go. You know. It could also be a move by the creators, like, oh, our ratings aren't doing well. Let's leave them with something that would <laughs> force them to pick us up yeah, because we'll leave them with a cliffhanger. Do, do either of you guys watch this? I quit watching once JR left, and even then I wasn't all that interested in it. So I think I watched, like, season and a half or something. Yeah, I have, like, the like the second half of the last season on the DVR, but if it's canceled, and, and I know that it's heading towards a cliffhanger, I could just delete those. Mm. <laughs> I don't, need to, I don't, I don't need to watch them. I hate to look at it from this perspective, but I mean, I, I tried the show and I couldn't get into it. And the main reason I tried the show is because there was a couple of actresses or a couple of actors in general that I really, really liked that were on the show. But like to me, this is a good thing because it's a show I, I didn't watch and wasn't going to watch. And now it frees up these actresses, uh, specifically Julie Gonzalo and Jordana Brewster, to maybe do other things on television. I mean, Gonzalo in particular, I'm just going to put this out there. Her second big role was in Eli Stone, and that was produced by Greg Berlanti, Mark Guggenham, and, and Andrew Kreisberg, who all are on Arrow and The Flash right now. So, you know, just saying, maybe there's a place for her over there in that universe. Intent, hint, 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 hint. It's a good thing those producers listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, guys. <laughs> I was like, just, just floating it out into the universe to see where it lands. Well, I, I made the comment to... Um, I think it was Kreisberg at, at Comic-Con about The Flash maybe bringing back actors from the original show. And I wasn't outright saying it, but I was talking about Mark Hamill. I wasn't talking about the, the doctor that they're bringing back. In, in, it's like, <laughs> now now they've like, got oh, two from the, from yeah, the original. Maybe Mark Hamill. Just, you know, just saying. I don't know if he's busy. I don't know if he's doing anything right now. <laughs> he's got nothing on his calendar, I'm sure. He's kind of just sitting around at home. Uh, that's right. Or not. Next up, uh, TV Land has canceled Jennifer Falls after one season. Not surprising. It didn't do all that well for uh, for TV Land. Uh, but uh, but the lead is will show up on uh, – why am I blanking on her name? Jamie Presley. Yes, Jamie Presley. I didn't even watch the show. Yes. But I... <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, Jamie Presley uh, will is apparently going to have a recurring role on Mom. So, Oh, nope. That's not enough to get me to watch Mom either. <laughs> She's uh, fallen off of TV land, but ended up on on mom. And then uh, lastly, uh, USA Network uh, has renewed satisfaction uh, for a second season and canceled Rush after one season, uh, neither of which I watched past the pilot. I didn't even watch that much of either. <laughs> <laughs> I have both like completely saved on my DVR and still don't think I'm ever going to watch either. But but Carissa Modwell kept talking about Satisfaction, so I felt like I had to record it and then never got around to watching it. Yeah, I watched, watching Satisfaction, I just oh, – I am the terrible Glades. today. You yes. want another season of the Glades? <laughs> I, all, I, all I wanted was, yeah, another season of the Glades. You know, it was <laughs> like yeah, I'd rather see Matt Passmore, you know, uh, driving around, uh, you know, Florida than, uh, than watching him satisfy women all over wherever – I was waiting to see where you were going to go with that one. <laughs> Watching him, what, Jason? What is he doing? Oh, satisfying. That's what you're going with. But then, yes, and uh, also they rushed Rush right off the right off. The ah, but I'm bum But yeah, Rush was I don't know that it was like somebody 
somebody went, you know, there was some problems with the mob doctor, and this is what we could do to fix it. And you're just like, no, I don't. This sort of like the doctor behind the scenes, you know, helping people for cash or whatever. It was basically like the like if uh, the doctors Hank. from yeah Hank from Hank, Hank Med was like a bad guy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was like more of an more of a you know type of thing. And uh, he was just uh, helping out uh, some not so great people in, in with their medical problems, but. I don't know. So not surprised that that uh, that that got canceled. Kind of surprised that Satisfaction got picked up. I didn't know that it was doing that well. I mean, considering you know what their shows do, but I'm also not like, what do you pair that with? Like, what? I'm, <laughs> it just seems. Uh, I don't know. It's a completely different type of show. I the thing that I'm really missing about like I liked some of the shows on USA Network. You know, uh, things like Suits. You know, going with a slightly darker, you know, tinge to them, but they still had that fun nature to them. I'm starting to miss the shows, you know, like the Sykes and the, you know, the monks and things like that, that uh, used to be the staple of, of USA. And instead of these sort of light versions of things that you see on FX or AMC or HBO. (laughs) I'm, I like Graceland though. So I kind of like that darker direction without going all the way to breaking bad levels. Although I don't know, Graceland. But I think Graceland it. still has that. Graceland is is a little bit darker, but it still has you know sort of a burn notice type of you know a little bit more fun feel to it than than some of these things that have gone completely. I don't know things like like this just seem to be taking it to a completely uh, different type of drama than they not just slight, not just a change in what they were doing, a complete change to what they were doing. I don't know. Yeah. But with that, we'll move on to uh you want to say it, Ivy? <laughs> Prime time. Prime time. <laughs> That's my birthday right. present to Amory. <laughs> move on I to the prime time segment. <laughs> and the uh first up is Scorpion, season 1, episode 2, single point of failure. And uh we'll start with you, Ivy. What do you think of Scorpion? I'm liking it. I, you know, I get why the show has been criticized. I, I get that scene at the end of the, of the pilot with the, the car and the plane and the, the craziness of that. But I, I like the show. I, you know what I mean? I like the cast. I, I like Gable in particular, and I kind of will always support a Game of Thrones alumni. Um, and I'm not one of those people that hates Catherine McPhee. I, I liked Smash. I recognize it I'm one of like the six people that did. <laughs> they watched it till the end. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I oh, watched yeah. it till the end. But... And and I'd watch it again. You know what I mean? Throw it on Netflix, and I'll and I'll take one summer week and and kind of power through it again. But um, the odds, it... I've got two of the six on my podcast. At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what are you going to do? Um, but it's it's a different approach on a procedural. And my problem with procedurals are that they're all so much exactly alike. You know, it's either a cop or a lawyer or doctor doing the same thing week after week. Um, and if you change it up and you give me something different, kind of like intelligence last year, uh, where you, you know what I mean? You change kind of the, the basis of the story. Um, I'm going to give it a chance and I'm, and I'm so far, I'm liking this. The only, um, the only kind of criticism I have with the show and now I'm going to, um, um, stall because I can't remember the character or the actress's name. Um, but they've completely 
wasted the happy Quinn character, the 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 character that Jaden Wong plays. Um, she's just there. I and, can't stand that character. Well, it's like I think they need to do a little bit more with it. And I think, you know, in two episodes, you can't feature everyone. Um, you know what I mean? Like like the, the, the Sylvester character was kind of featured in the second episode. And so we got to see him a little bit more. And I think we'll get there with everybody, with Toby and with Happy and all of those folks. Um, but, you know what I mean? Until that happens, it's like a eh, character's kind of a, a wasted opportunity to do more. But I'm with you. I don't, I, Kyle, I don't like her either. See, the, I think the thing I don't like about her the most is just the way they have her speaking. It's just so – it's too weird. She almost talks like a robot or something. It's just like – I know you want to make her sound nerdy and stuff, but she just sounds – it's more annoying than it is anything else. Um, you like the guys that – you like the guy that criticizes – there's a there's a local podcaster that, that criticized the um, the Alfred character on Gotham the accent of the Alfred character on Oh, he should be he should talk like Michael Caine. There's no reason why he t- he should have the accent he has. I agree with that person. But but the Gotham. person was saying it sounds like a fake London accent. I was like the guy's from London. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, if you want to say If it doesn't sound like Michael Caine, then it's if fake London. He wants to be more refined. That's fine. You know what I mean? But this guy was like a a, a London guy who went into the army. Of course, he's sounding exactly like this character sounds, but but okay. I <laughs> Well, whatever, Kyle. Whatever you say, man. Okay, whatever. but but to get back on uh, on this show, uh, <laughs> so I I think the second episode I liked that it wasn't quite as insane as the first one. Like, granted, it was still quite unrealistic, um, and there's no subtlety in the way these people act in their in their characters or anything. Um, I thought it was slightly better this second episode, but I still don't see as much as we both like her. I don't see the need for for uh, Catherine McPhee's character at all in this. She's like the useless one that has like no superpowers. It's like her superpower is being empathetic with the rest of them. So like someone's like the guy smashes the mug and he's all upset, which was some of the worst acting I've ever seen. But <laughs> he, he was all upset and she oh she tries to comfort him or tell someone oh don't don't talk to him right now he's 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 uh, a little angry right now. Like I don't see the need for her character right now. They need to give her more of something to do and make her really feel like she's needed as part of this group. Well, I almost feel like they skipped an episode. Like there was like the, this was the third or fourth episode. Is that's the that's the thing is this episode felt that it was both like this was their second case working for the this guy again uh because they just like they're handing out their paychecks which makes it seem like, you know, they're just getting paid from working for them the you know to save the airplanes from the first episode but then it also mm-hmm. seems like they're now a group they're the scorpion team and they're you know they've and uh Robert Patrick's character seemed like more it seemed like there was like way more friction between them and while there was some things that took place that would lighten that a little bit it seemed like they were all like everybody was like working too well in this like little group but yet it also seemed like this should have been like their fifth or sixth outing mm-hmm. type of thing. It felt like they were too cohesive. It felt like she was too ingrained into the group after just right. one thing. Like I can see what they're trying to do, you know, like when they go to uh, the, the governor's house and, you know, she's like 
tries to translate between the, you know, like a regular person and the super smart guy, which is part of the problem I have too, is that why does every, every super smart person in this show have to have some huge flaw, like to go with, like to balance them out or, or something. Uh, well, I think that's one of the things that's grounded in the reality of what Walter O'Brien, who's a real guy, you know what I mean? is one of the executive producers of the show um, brings to it that, that the, these characters have high uh, IQs, uh, but they have low what they call e- uh, EQs, the emotional quotient. It's true, but it's it's just so – right now, the, the things, though, that they have them doing, is they feel more like caricatures than they feel like characters. And that they're – they all they have is these extreme – like you said, there's no nuance to a lot mm-hmm. of what's going on or what they're doing. I don't know. There's just a lot of it – a lot of it feels – like bad acting or bad writing at, at times, other things that bother me that, that sort of take me out of it is even if you buy, you know, some of the things that they're doing, you know, like the being able to figure out the science of it that quickly and, and whatnot, because they're all super smart, just the fact that they can seem to be able to get anywhere. (laughs) Like, like they're all sitting around the computer and they're like, Oh, they're both at such and such a place. And then all of a sudden they're at the place too. And you're just like, really? If they were both there, they would have already met and found each other long before you got there to stop it. Just, you know, just the, the, the whole thing. There's just so many things in it that pull me out of it that I want to like it. You know, cause I like these types of shows usually that have, you know, the, the smart people figuring out the, you know, the problem of the week or, or whatever, but there's just, I don't know. There's something not working well, there's multiple things not working <laughs> in it for me. I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give it a couple more episodes to see where it goes, but I, I don't know. I this this one might be one that's uh, one of the first shows that I you know actually giving multiple episodes to the to drop off the list. Mm. I have a feeling I'm going to be saying that about another show we're talking about here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I I hear you, Jason. I'm just not. I'm just. I guess I'm willing to give it a longer leash than other people. I, uh, you know, I, I don't find it. I think if you're accepting that the premise that there are people that, you know, have 196 IQ, that they can think this quickly. And I like, I believe that these people are out there. And, um, but at the same time, this is also a show that had a, a car and a plane converge to connect a wire in episode one. So it's like, if we're going to, if we're going to posit that that exists, then you know I can give it a little bit of leeway. Well, I'm I'm able to buy into these certain things that this you know I I like the re, you know the uh, I want to call it the rememberer, but uh, what is the name? <laughs> that's the name of the actual that's the name of the actual thing, not the actual show. Uh, but the CBS show that has the Poppy Montgomery that you know she's oh unforgettable yeah unforgettable. Uh, nice a title I couldn't remember. Uh, the, <laughs> it's a little ironic, a little on the nose there, buddy. <laughs> but you know, like a show like that, that she can, you know, once she sees it, she can remember it, and you know, she can recall it, uh, you know, relatively instantly, and and you know, it helps her solve cases. I'm perfectly it, because it's it's much better written and better acted, and, and there's that that you that it it helps with the these things that some of these things that they have going on uh and the you know the interactions between the characters and 
you know, some of the other things that bother me is like the guy that's supposed to be the super smart can read anybody. You know, he's the psychologist of the group. He's not the one that, but he's like so focused on whatever that he's thinking that, you know, it's about money or something like that. And it's Robert Patrick that, that, that figures out that, uh, it's, somebody who lost a child and I was going from the whole time if he's going after children it's highly likely <laughs> that he lost a child and I'm like I shouldn't be smarter than the smart people on the show maybe you should have your IQ checked <laughs> yeah. uh. you know, it, it just some of those things where he's supposed to be the psychologist he's supposed to be the person to, that can read people and is supposed to be helping in these situations yet in a lot of the situations He's not actually helping to solve it. Somebody else actually figures out who it is. I don't know. There's just things like that that uh, if if you have all these skills that they should come off better. But like I said, I'll give it a I'll give it a couple more episodes and uh, and see and see what happens. And uh, we'll move on to the uh, blacklist, uh, season two, episode two, uh, Monarch Douglas Bank. And Kyle, what are you thinking of the second season of the of the blacklist? I think it's actually started off like I was, this was a show I was ready to quit watching before this season started. But then she but, cut her hair and you were like, I'm back on board. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to talk about her hair. It's the first thing in my notes in capital letters. The hair. I'll leave the hair to you then. Well, that's really Because cool. I, I really didn't care. Like, I never bothered me before in, uh, in the first season like it did some people. But no, uh, the uh, like I actually th- I think I started off with a really interesting story um i think that like it hasn't really well it's been sort of a case of the week it's more been a continuing story both weeks so far in the first two episodes um like just this thing of um of the people hunting them down uh they've also left uh like they they caught lord baltimore uh, baltimore and then now they're or, well they met up with uh, him and then berlin trying to uh get back the wife but I, I think they left some interesting things open like who's this person that's following lizzie which it's most likely her uh her former husband there he's probably not dead but we'll see what happens there and then they have this new Mossad uh agent there who's now possibly a double agent like because she's working with Cooper and also Reddington like who she really loyal with and what she up to so they they've they've been introducing some interesting um some interesting new elements uh to think about while uh exploring the ongoing story with Reddington and and uh Lizzie although he seems to have way more freedom than I remember him having in like he just seems can fly off on his own and then come back and like does anyone watch him at all to make sure he's he's not doing bad things but mm. i did well i i, I like that we're t- I, I hate that we skipped the first episode because i i mean can we talk about how great Kristen Ritter was as lord baltimore that and that dual personality thing i mean this is someone that we're so used to seeing um in a comedic role and like, and she kind of does this, this drama role where again, she's playing kind of two different characters at the same time. I just thought she was awesome. You know, that and the hair uh, that's, you know, we could talk about a lot of things. Um, no, but as, but as far as this, this, the, as the second episode go, I was really kind of surprised that they got, um, the Naomi Highland slash Reddington slash Mary Louise Parker character out of captivity and back into, safety whatever that means in this show uh so quickly like i really thought like her being captured was going to be something that drug on much much longer 
Yeah, but given who the actress is playing the part, there's got to be more. <laughs> I mean, that, oh yeah, no, that I don't think she's done. That can't be all that we've all that we've really seen from uh, from that. Uh, but I I like that. I mean, we've seen from the the beginning that a lot of people that he points uh, them towards, uh, he's got an alternate agenda because he's you know been looking for you know something as well, and that that continues. But it seems to have ramped up more where it does feel. It did feel like there were more episodes last, you know, during the last season uh, that you know were sort of just the case of the week, and then they tacked on, you know, that they were looking at, you know, like they were investigating Tom as the continuing story thing, and the mm. the main thing that they tracked down that week wasn't really overall connected to uh, whatever you know Red was really doing or something, or uh, and so far, if they, I I I hope they kind of keep this up because this is the type of thing I like from. This type of show is where you get sort of a case of the week. So you get a story that has a beginning, middle, and an end. But it's a story that something that happens or whatever's happening drives the overall story. It's the way that, you know, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has opened up this season so far a little bit that way. It's the way like Sleepy Hollow works uh, in in what they're doing. So I, I really like that that type of element that it seems to be a little more prevalent in there. I like that red has sort of put his own person onto the team. So he doesn't have to be quite maybe as worried as, uh, you know, having to check everybody out, uh, and you know what that, that'll actually be for. And is she, you know, is she playing both sides? Is she for someplace else? Who knows? That's, uh, that's, that's an interesting thing, but for the most part, it's just fun to watch him. You know, James Bader is just uh, is just great uh, in in this in this role. It gives him uh, lots to do. Well, can I say how little I'm looking forward to the story of uh, wrestlers' drug problem? Uh, it seems like like showrunners go, "Oh, we're going to have somebody like experiences significant trauma, and they're going to go through a, a drug or alcohol abuse storyline in the following season." Except they all start the same way and end the same way. It feels like it's such a cliched storyline. I mean, I believe it's a legitimate problem in kind of, you know, quote unquote real life. But like every time we see it in television, it starts the same way. It it kind of evolves the same way and it ends the same way. You know what I mean? Either he's going to eventually kick it with um, Lizzie's help or, you know, he's going to die. Like one of those two things is going to happen. So he's like going to kick it or he's going to kick it. Yes. That's <laughs> kick it at old school or dead school. Yeah. That's, that's a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem is that, uh, but luckily he had those on hand so that he could help the, uh, <laughs> you know, the person with the, uh, with the, you know, with the photographic memory. Uh, the <laughs> mm. She should get a job with Scorpion. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I just really like the show. It's fun. It it has that both that elements like of what's going on. Uh, It it gives you action for the week and you know a bigger story and then you know it's a great lead performance and a lead actress with a new kicky haircut. (laughs) Kyle, Kyle, what was it that was making you wanting to quit at the end of last year? I don't know. I think I just got bored with it after a while. Like it, it, I was starting to lose interest. I think what I liked about this first season was was what 
what I had mentioned and, and Jason had also mentioned, how it seems more focused on one story and less of like here's a some new person we're helping this week or tracking down this week and doesn't really have anything to do with some ma- like overall story that keeps you interested because mm-hmm. I I already watch way too many procedurals that are just like case of the week and so I was just getting kind of bored with that. See, I just my I solve that problem by not watching those procedurals. <laughs> I mean, I, I I truly think the only quote unquote pure procedural I still watch is the original NCIS. I like I've just given up the rest of it because you're right. They're so boring. But I don't think I can quit NCIS. I can't quit you. <laughs> I like how you started yawning when you said that's boring. No, I was trying to do the broke back voice. It wasn't yawning. I was just doing a very, very poor voice there. I apologize. Now we'll move on to a little take a little break here in the in the middle of the primetime segment for some uh, romantic comedy talk. Three guys talking Rob Comps. <laughs> <laughs> Made a whole lot more sense when Amory was on the podcast, didn't uh, Manhattan Love Story, season one, episode one, the pilot. Okay, Ivy, go for it. Tell us why you... <laughs> you I like the show. You like I, the show. You know, I, I, I'm, first off, I'm not a sitcom person. You know what I mean? I don't think, other than Big Bang Theory, there's a sitcom that's on my watch list right now like you know what i mean as previous shows coming into this show i think in my lifetime in my kind of adult television watching lifetime i can count the number of sitcoms i've watched on six fingers um but but this i liked and i i can't so i mean it, well i guess i guess let me preface say it's difficult for me to say oh i want to watch that i mean that's why all of the sitcoms you were talking about at the top in the news section i was like not even if I never watched you, I've never heard of you. Like I like I'm not you're not going to be on my list. But I, I gave this a chance um because I really like the two leads. You know what I mean? Annalie Tipton is one of those actresses that I think um is known, I guess, more for the America's top model thing, um, and kind of her background there. But I think she's like there's nothing that I've seen her in where she didn't like shine on screen. And this is another one of those examples. I mean she was great in Crazy Sexy Love um, and in such a small role. And, and, and like ever since that movie and a couple of other things that she's been in, like I kind of like if I go, oh, she's in it, I'm going to watch. Um, and it's nice to see Jake McDormand in something <clears throat> now that I've watched Greek, which I, I think I recommended you know, several – podcasts ago that I joined you guys. Um, I, I, I like the actor and I'm looking forward to seeing him in something that's not the abysmal last season of Shameless, which I stopped watching the show halfway through. So it's it's nice to see an actor that I like from something else in, in something that I can enjoy. Um, and unlike, I guess, the the TV critic um, hive mind, I, I like voiceover shows. I have, I have absolutely no problem with shows that, that do voiceovers and the idea of dueling voiceovers where two different characters are able to keep their stream of consciousness and, and the opposing stream of consciousness and how they can weave together. You know what I mean? And so they're we're hearing what they're thinking instead of what they're saying, but we're hearing what they're thinking interact and are able to see that dynamic of, oh, she thinks this is funny. Oh, he thinks this is funny. And they're completely diametrically opposed to looking at the exact same thing. Yeah, I dig it. How about you, Kyle? 
Yeah, so for me, I, I do like the, the voiceover stuff a lot, the way that's done in this. Like you said, how they're always, like, at the beginning, like, they're walking down the street. He's commenting on how all, all the uh, how the how great all the girls look. And she, meanwhile, she's commenting on how all these purses look. It has the so worst it's like, opening ever. So I, I like I like I like the opposites there, like how they're doing those those random commentaries um, there. I really liked her character and like how she's like like awkward and fumbles a lot and does stuff wrong. His character, I'm still not sold on. Like he seems like a bit of a jerk at the beginning. Maybe they're gonna dial that back and he's gonna be better. I did like him in Greek somewhat. As likable as his character could be in Greek, well, he's like a douchier um, version of that guy. Yeah, but uh, he's exactly like, that guy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm wondering how you can make him like really like someone that you would root for her to end up with. Like if they can make him likable, or if she's going to change him and make him better, a better person, or how that's all going to work. Yeah, but, but he's also the same guy that was standing out of her apartment with the list. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's redeeming qualities to this guy. Yeah, at the end, they, when he takes her on the tour of New York, it's sort of like trying to redeem him, like he's apologizing, but like how he like, but just moments before he like showed up at the house and like admitted like right out loud, "Oh, you told me I had to come and apologize." Like he doesn't seem like he's really that great of a guy, but we'll have to see how but, that. But he can be changes. an average guy that has a you know, I just. Like I, I, I like this world where like the guy doesn't have to be perfect for us to be able to like him. You know what I mean? Like it's that shades of gray thing that we see um, with antiheroes. Well, now it's just being applied to a rom-com. You know what I mean? Like this guy is not perfect. Um, but at the end of the day uh, – and I'm sure I'm going to talk more about this show in the next couple of minutes. But at the end of the day, we really liked Barney Stinson, didn't we? You know what I mean? He was a character that we all loved, and he was much worse than this guy. You know what I mean? When you really break down Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother, he was a horrible person. Like, no redeeming qualities but, other but than the his way love they for his friendship. Did it, but the way they did it, he was always fun in how how awful he was. This almost seemed like he was, like, just seriously awful to her. Like... I, I won't argue with that. I don't know. There's a, there's a couple of things with the show... One, I like her. She's, you know, she's great. She's doing a fine job of what they've given her. But I don't like what they've given her. The the new to the big city, uh, you know, can't use a phone, can't get around without help. You know, just like, just, I don't know. It just too much. It's like they they took like every small town <laughs> to big city cliche type of thing and wrapped it all up in her. And uh, it's like, can we do something different uh, than that? You know, the, the thing opens up and you're like, oh, hilarious. Dudes like boobs, chicks like purses. Uh, that's some great <laughs> inner monologue. The incessant monologue. It is, was great. Is, is, I agree. It's terrible <laughs> it, because it doesn't add anything. It adds humor. It doesn't. That's the problem. If it did <laughs> add humor, then I'd be fine with it. I have no problem with voiceovers. I have no I, no problem with narrators or or things of that way. You know, speaking of narration, we'll talk about that in, in a second when we go move to A to Z. But this, partially, I guess I'm also adding in the the second episode in that the inner monologue becomes worse, and where they actually like say something to themselves and then say it out loud and mm -hmm. and it means 
and it wasn't funny either time. And it, <laughs> it was like it doesn't add anything. If it actually added some more to their characters where you actually got to see if if they were using the inner monologue where you saw that this guy was, you know, he's kind of a jerk, but internally he's not quite as bad a guy. Like he's sort of putting that's this is what he's sort you know the the persona he's been putting out there or something, or where you could you could I don't know that you could learn something about them, but they keep trying to hit too many of the things they try and hit a joke, and that's going to get super difficult the farther the show goes on is to is to continue to to make the inner monologues funny. It also to me while it would be just as bad to have everybody's inner monologue it almost seems super jarring to just get just these two characters and nobody else's so you want more inner monologues no i i think it would be worse <laughs> if, but, the inner monologue suck let's have more of them yeah. it'll, no one will talk it'll just be all inner monologues yeah, just just well, uh, i yeah, guess just I, mind reading i don't know it just just what they've done with the inner monologues is so I don't know. It feels so generic that it adds nothing. If there was actually something interesting happening with their inner monologues, it, it might be something. But two episodes in, and I'm just like, it's actually, you know, even less funny uh, in the second episode. Well, I've not I've not seen the second episode yet, um, and and obviously Kyle and I respectfully disagree. Uh, on a lot of things about the show. But at the end of the day, as long as this has bad judge as a lead in, it's I mean, it's it's not a great show. Like, I'm not sitting here saying it's a a lead in. Oh, I thought this was behind bad judge. No, it's A to Z that has behind bad judge. That's both. Yeah. Both of these have crappy lead ins as far as I'm concerned. And and because of that, neither are going to have a chance to survive. So, um, you know, I mean, that's what scares me is like, I don't think. It's a, a brilliant show in episode one. And like I said, I haven't seen episode two. There's not a lot of sitcoms, for what it's worth, that are brilliant in their first episode. Sitcoms to me are really something that it takes a little bit of time to develop and figure out who they are. Um, um, happy Endings to me is like kind of the quintessential example of that. Um, but like I said, as long as this has got a crappy time slot, it doesn't matter if it's average and gets better. And that's where I think it's at. I think it's slightly above average. Um, with the uh, possibility to get better, but it, it ain't going to happen because trust me, this show's not going to be on the air long. <laughs> well, we'll move on to the show that does come on behind Bad Judge, which is A to Z, Oops. season one, episode one. A is for acquaintances. And uh, Kyle, what'd you think of A to Z? So this was a show that was great from its first episode, <laughs> despite some people saying that that's not possible. Like I already, <laughs> already talked about this on the uh, on the NBC podcast. Um, I just really enjoyed this show. Like this first episode, I've now seen it like three or four times because I keep rewatching it before these podcasts. Um, <laughs> I think it's like I think the the narration is perfect. Like Katie Segal does a perfect narration for this that adds to the whole like um fun feeling of the show uh the two leads have great chemistry like the the their scenes together are just a lot of fun you really root for these people to be together 
together, unlike on some shows. Um, <laughs> and, like, I think even, like, the supporting cast, like, the roommates and the friends, there wasn't a single one that I hated. I thought they're, like, all of them, like, his roommate and her best friend, I think they're, like, it's just a great supporting cast. I want to see more of them. Well, I have to um, disagree with you there. His best friend is terrible. Oh, see, I like it. And what, what about the coworkers? I really like the the, the programmers. Like, I, I like the coworkers. I I like you know I like her, you know her friend some. Uh, but the, you weren't a fan of the Scat Man. No, the, it, it was too <laughs> over the top. And I think I think I may be uh, joining the chorus of that. There's too many beardo weirdos on on the on new shows this year. Is <laughs> uh, everybody every show's got you know they've. They've got an even worse one on Mulaney, which is even a worse show. But you know that it seems like every show seems to have uh, is is they all is they all went. You know that uh, that ABC show with the, all the people in the one night in the bar. You know the only thing I really remember is the Bruce character. You know the really terrible ginger bearded fellow. We should put that guy <laughs> in lots of shows. And uh, Bruce everywhere. <laughs> that's a terrible idea, and that that's the only that's that's the only detraction from the show for me for the first episode. I liked everything else about it. How about you, Ivy? I um well talking about secondary characters, and I I like I think we shouldn't go without mentioning the boss at the at the um, at the matchmaking website. Um, she <laughs> We're was doing too good a job, people. <laughs> you gotta keep them paying the monthly fee. She was great at being horrible and I will I will always remember and I'm sure she's been in other things, but I will always remember her as the flight attendant on the newsroom episode about um five one, I think, or May first, however kind of you pronounce it. But she was the I don't know if either of you guys watched the newsroom, but she was uh she was the flight attendant on the the night that the bin Laden assassination story broke and like the three three of the people were on the plane and couldn't get off the plane and couldn't be a part of the story. And she was kind of like the the straight man foil to like the three characters being and she was hilarious there. I mean was absolutely brilliant. And I hear that voice and like I instantly like, oh girl from the newsroom. Oh girl from the newsroom. Um but she was great here. But I I the the thing about this show is how I met your mother made me love this actress, right? You know, Chris Minolte, she's just awesome. Like there's nothing she she could have chemistry with a brick wall. Do you know what I mean? Like she could be she could be cast across the big brick wall and we could believe the relationship. I think she's that good. But <laughs> uh, that's and, next and week's episode. B is the brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> But and and killing her is really what made me hate the last season of you know it's like how I met your mother we're gonna make you really 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 love this character and then we're gonna kill her and now I hate you how I met your mother um, but she's she's great here you know what I mean and and like I said unfortunately and I I I, I killed I buried my lead because I ran it to her quickly but it's going to die behind Bad Judge like I'm with you Kyle I think it's a brilliant pilot um, but putting it behind Bad Judge just because. Um, Kate Walsh is a more marketable actress and, you know, I mean, a better poster getter, despite the fact that we can't Photoshop legs on a poster. Um, it, it's not going to do well where it's at. And if, you know, I mean, if anything's going to save it, it's going to be it moving out and being getting more exposure. It's, it's sort of in a bad spot anyway. It's just anything on Thursday up against, you know, with football and and everything else that's going on. NBC's having troubles with 
that in general. But yeah, putting it behind Bad Judge is terrible because that show is awful. It may it would make more sense to pair it with Manhattan Love Story because at least it's like a <laughs> at least it's well, like a rom com double. Well, that's the thing is I never understood why, and I said this on the NBC preview. I think is why. A to Z and Marry Me are not paired together, and About a Boy and Bad Judge are not paired together. They're similar style sitcoms, even though About a Boy is 100% better than Bad Judge. But the style of sitcom, the you know, the way the characters work, they work together. Those two should be together, and Marry Me and you know A to Z, both sort of in that rom-com uh, area of things, and those two should be on the same... Uh, on at the same time, you know, next to each other on NBC. It it makes no sense to me to to schedule them. Just even if Bad Judge was great, good, it, 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 it would make <laughs> didn't it, suck. It wouldn't make sense. You know, it would make more sense to do it the other way. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, this show gets a shot to move to a different a different time. I mean, they're replaying it on like Fridays or something like that, or or Saturdays, but. It's replaying behind Bad Judge, which doesn't do any good. I do have to say that it it was not as bad Judge as the original pilot. Yes, it was, it was <laughs> slightly yeah, less bad. Watch the the recut pilot. It was slightly better the recut pilot. But I, I mean, one more thing I want to say about A to Z. I absolutely loved the stuff with Leah Thompson. Like I was one of those people that watched the hoverboard thing and said, "What the heck? Why aren't we getting these? Why are these parents blocking these from being sold?" Because I believe the conspiracy. I completely forgot it was in there. Like I watched the pilot when we first got it in May, um, and the irony is that I, as I, um, I binge watched all of Switched at Birth this summer. And so it was like one of those, like I, it was like the summer of Leah Thompson. Um, but like, I completely forgot that it was in there. And then they had the cut at the end that on the hoverboard. And I was like, this is awesome. I love this. This is great. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that. I, I, I really hope that it gets a, a, a better shot. Something moved to a different, I don't know where exactly or what you do with it, the way that they're planning things for the future. But yeah, this, this is a show that, of NBC's new stuff, it, it it needs to get a better shot. But with that, we'll move on to How to Get Away with Murder, Season 1, Episode 2. It's all her fault. Kyle, what, what do you think of the first couple episodes of How to Get Away with Murder? I actually really enjoyed it. Um, it feels a lot like the first season of Damages. Like, the way the episodes are set up, how we get, like, a flash to this thing that happened in the future, and then we flash back and we uh, get to see some of, a little bit of a chunk of time that, that starts to lead up to this this big event at the end. Like, And so we're trying to figure out, like, who got killed? Why did they get killed? Like, how is um, the professor's husband involved in all of this? Like, did he have an affair? And, like, I think they've done a good job of, like, answering some questions and then also introducing something else each week. Like, the case of the week seems very rushed and not really 
like they're concentrating way more on this overall mystery than they are of the case of the week. Some of the case of the week stuff, it seems like almost magic. Like all of a sudden, this person's going to figure out some great thing to ask at the trial and and do this. Like it, they're a bunch of geniuses all of a sudden. These these kids for the trials, these first year law students. Yeah. <laughs> so so that that's a little bit like the case of the week could use more work, but I like the overall mystery, the way they've been dealing with that, and like the structure of it. How with the flashback. Uh, with a flash forward at the beginning and then a flashback and then another flash forward at the end to show us more of this mystery. Yeah, I have to say I liked the second episode a little better than the than the first episode because it actually did add in a little bit of you got to see some of the, you know, the students, uh, especially the one that's, you know, living in the apartment next to the girl that you you got to see that there's a little more something to him, you know. He's not just the, you know, the puppy dog you know, type of thing, or at least <laughs> yeah. that. At least you know, uh, by three months in the future, he's been broken, and you know, he's doing all these other things now. But I thought that you know, showing that he, you know, that the flip of the coin was all just fake. He he, he said what he actually wanted to do, and uh, you know that he's you know protecting the the girl next door. That they're apparently, you know, that far in the have become a couple now, and you know some of the overall mystery stuff, that stuff interests me. But the case of the week stuff, it it feels weird because the basically her what she's teaching in class is whatever happens to maybe help her in the case she's working <laughs> on that at that yeah. particular time. But we also know in the real world that cases don't really go that that fast these cases all seem to be like they're well prepared and they're just about to go to trial and we just need the kids here to give us fresh eyes on the Mm. situation and come up with you know maybe something else but the main thing is even with this uh you know what's going on is maybe he's protecting her like is he you know is she the one that killed the professor you know or her husband like there's still so many different questions and stuff like that, but for the most part, I don't like anybody. No, I don't, I don't like anybody on the show. I I despise shows that, like she says, I don't care uh, if 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 my client's guilty or not. Mm. And to some respect, to some respect in a show, I I get that. As a defense lawyer, you're not supposed to care whether they did it. You're supposed to give your best defense to because you know the system works best if they have to actually prove things on the other side but there's like nobody here to root for they 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 steal evidence they you know they're breaking into things they're they're you know they're fudging things around so that they can so that they can win not find the truth really or or present a real you know a real thing it's all about winning and I that, I hate the same thing from the other side when you have shows that, but you always have the guy that's, you know, it's all about his record and it doesn't matter whether he's actually prosecuting somebody that did something or not. It's all mm-hmm. about whether he can win uh, or she can win. I just can't follow those shows. Those shows don't, don't do it for me. And that seems to be at the heart of each episode, which whatever the case of the week is. But I did like, uh, oh, God, I am terrible at names today. Uh, the, the guy from Wings, <laughs> Stephen Weber. Stephen Weber, yeah. yes, Stephen Weber, uh, showing up on yet another show. The dude is on everything. <laughs> either, in, 
either in recurring parts or just bit parts. The guy is like he's almost on your TV at all times these days. Well, I love that there. Speaking of that, there there seems to be this natural connection between Shonda shows and Aaron Sorkin shows. And a lot of actors seem to to go back and forth between the two. Um, I like I'm to your to your point about defending guilty clients. I'm taking from the title of the show that all of her clients are guilty. Like I'm going into just assuming that because the name of the show is how to get away with murder. And I know it's probably talking about the the, the kind of a ongoing storyline as much as anything else. But I'm just assuming all of these people are guilty. Um, I'm pretty much assuming that, you know, she's taking on, you know, a lot of people that are can pay big money and things like that. But I I just it always bothers me, even if the story is semi interesting, when it's all about the win and not about what really went on. You know, it's not about and the whole the whole thing of like knowing that the daughter did it likely most likely, but then not doing anything about it. Mm hmm. That type of stuff that those things just really, I don't know, th- those things bother me in, in these type of shows. And it, and it makes it that th- it's a thing like that, you know, like the practice back in the day is, you know, sometimes they might go over the line a little bit. But in that case, you felt like they were they were defending, you know, somebody that was didn't do it type of thing. And that you, you wanted to see this person get off because a lot of times you felt like they were, you know, helping the little guy that was getting squeezed or something. So I don't know. It just, uh, it's just the case of the week stuff just seems really weird. And I'm not sure if the overall mystery is enough to keep me watching. Well, I think your, your point about not liking any of the characters is, is spot on. There's nobody (laughs) I like. I don't like at, at first in the first episode, you're like maybe the one guy, you know, cause he seems to, he seems to be sort of the aw shucks, uh, you know, you know, I didn't get that email, so I didn't read the thing. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just trying to get along and, you know, but I am pretty smart. But, you know, and, and, you know, maybe. But then, like, and they give him a little something in the second episode, but it almost makes him even less likable. <laughs> hey, don't don't hate on Dean Thomas from Hogwarts and the Harry Potter series. OK, you know, he's a wizard and you never know what might. I I mean, the thing that, that kind of that clicks with me the worst is that I, I don't like. Viola Davis's character, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like the the kind of the lead of the whole show. Uh, she's great, but I'm just uh, like, and Viola Davis is great in the role, but I don't like the role. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't like her in that, you know, that kind of way. Like, I don't like you, Miranda Bailey on Grey's Anatomy, the first couple seasons, but I like that I don't like you. No, I don't like anything about her, and and I disagree. I like Wes a little because I kind of like that aw shucks. Um, you know, approach to things in a world surrounded by people who are incredibly cynical. And I, and I like, just because I like the actress, Lisa wheels character, whom I don't even know her name. Couldn't even tell you. Um, just because she was on Gilmore girls. <laughs> no, I know before Gilmore girls, she had a three episode run on ER. And before ER, she was had one of my, one of my favorite exchanges in, in the entirety of the the West Wing on the first season, again, talking about Shonda and Aaron Sorkin crossovers. Um, but I like her like from way back. You know what I mean? That that the the scene she had in the first season of the West Wing with um, the Leo McGarry, Leo McGarry character was just outstanding. So like I'm and, and yeah, she was pretty darn good on Gilmore Girls, too. So, you know, um, 
But if that's all I have to to take, I mean, that's the that was the the thing that I was so worried about when I went over the outline today. It was like, wow, I don't think I've watched the second episode. Um, and then I read a recap. I read a recap, and I was like, oh, it ended with um, you know Wes and his neighbor making out in the hotel room. I was like, I remember that. And then I I was like, oh, I really have watched this episode. And I came back because like, well, maybe I maybe I only watched like the beginning and I fell asleep and I watched it. Now I came home and it was off my DVR, which means I did watch it. I remembered like <laughs> the fact that that Stephen Weber was in it and that you know Wes ran into the hotel room with his next door neighbor at the end of the movie. And that's I mean the end of the episode. And that's the entirety of what I remembered about it. So. I, like the fact that I forgot so much in the course of four days, like there's uh, like I think this is easily going to be the first thing that gets deleted from my season pass list. You know, like it's 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 going away sooner rather than later. And I hate it because I, I like there's very been very little that Shonda's produced that I didn't like. You know what I mean? I liked off the map. I was like one of the six people that liked off the map. You know, I was I was one of the other six. No <laughs> you way. and me, Kyle. <laughs> You and but me you, and four other people really need to hang out more. I watched every episode of Off the Map. Whoa, we got half the people that watched it here. Well, and one of the other ones was Shonda's mom, so there really can't be that many people left. All right. Yeah, so I, I don't know. There's a lot of people in the show that I like, you know, and mm-hmm. the overall sort of mystery and aspect and sort of the storytelling style, I'm – you know, sort of has me intrigued, but it's like, I don't know if I can put up with the, you know, basically the bulk of every episode in the center of it, uh, mm. uh, to get there. So I don't know. It, it's, it's could be one of the first ones, uh, first new show to die for me that, you know, Scorpion they're they're in a race to, to get deleted from the DVR season pass. You, 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 which do you think you're going to lose first of the, of all the shows we've talked about today? Do you think it'll be this? Do you think it'll be Scorpion or do you think it'll be Manhattan love story? If you've not already given up on that Manhattan, Manhattan love, story. love story. Cause I've already seen the second episode. So two episodes in, I'm done with that one. Uh, there's, there's nothing there enough for me. Uh, You're dead to me, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and- you, you might be changing your tune after you see the second episode. Who knows? <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I could be completely wrong. Yes. And uh, welcome to TV Times 2. It's just Kyle and I now on the podcast. <laughs> that happened last time for different reasons. So I was trying to not get kicked off this week. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, the last show on the primetime list, uh, Madam Secretary, Season 1, Episode 3, The Operative. And uh, Ivy, what are you thinking of Madam Secretary so far this season? I like Madam Secretary, but I'm very worried about Madam Secretary. Like, uh, like how many stories can you tell about the State Department at this level? You know I mean, like, I know I've talked entirely too much about Sorkin and The West Wing at this point, but I, I mean, The West Wing was by and by far and away my favorite television show. But it could tell stories at that level of government and that level of politics because it could tell a whole bunch of different things, the economy, elections, domestic politics, foreign relations. Um, But how many stories are we going to be able to believe that uh, the secretary of state can be involved in in international relations um, that become these big kind of global hotspot issues before we believe that like the president of the United States would be impeached because he's screwing up so much week after week. <laughs> uh, but I like aside from that, aside well, from he like get impeached because nobody knows, but she's saving the day every time. It's true. <laughs> I mean, 
um, I mean, it really kind of, really kind of like lends a little merit to the 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 inside joke of, or or outright complaint of some on the political right hand side of the spectrum that says that you know is this really just kind of a a, a political campaign piece for Hillary Clinton is just showing a Secretary of State that's just you know super lady you know Wonder Woman basically. showing what she what she did uh, is, is based on uh, based on. Based on true stories. Based on a true story. <laughs> well, that's uh, no, the I mean, thing that bothers me about this show is is the outright nature of the ripped from the headlineness of it. Is I mean, the second episode was called Another Benghazi. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like what what world is this this show taking place in? Is it uh, like is this the president after Obama? Is are we in some sort of weird hybrid where there has been you know like where is this show taking place? Like what? You, you got to gotta let that you, you've got to, yes. Washington. You know, well, that's the thing. Bottom, is, Georgetown, that area. That, that's, that's the thing is like, what is, is this show would work better for me if they did these storylines without having to hit you over the head with, Oh, Hey, we're doing a takeoff on this story. That's been in the news. I you know, like, did they really need to go? Did you really need to have her in this last episode walking down the hall going, Great, another Snowden. Like, do, mm-hmm. do we do we really need to like jam it on the like the story would have been perfectly fine, and you would with with like out that for every time they mention one of those type of things, it takes me out of out of the show when they mention you know sort of a real uh, you know a real thing like that uh, in when you know that this is not you know when it's supposed to be sort of taking place now, but you know that that's not what now is. Uh, and and they're not trying to play off that she's like the fictional uh, or fictional uh, you know Secretary of State of now or something like that you know like an NCIS where uh, the show's taking place and you know Obama's the president mm-hmm. in the, in the world that this is taking place uh, and so those type of uh, you know those type of stories and things uh, I mean they even wrote in a story. In the last episode of NCIS, that the guy was on the way to a pickup basketball game with the president. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and, well, and they were doing, you know, and early on they were doing security for Donald Rumsfeld. I like Jason. I, I get that perspective, and I understand how you and other people that kind of come from that mindset like get frustrated when it's too ripped from the headlines or too close to a real world. And and can we like where do we physically draw the line on the real world? you know, history and, and evolve into the fictional history. But I just, just don't, don't get worked up about it. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's just a little thing. It's just a little thing. It, it is, but it, it's a little thing that pulls me out of it every time it happens where unlike a thing, like I buy those type of things on uh, where they mention real things or they come up with their own type of things on like the good wife, because it's a law firm set away from things. You can believe that, uh, you know that Gloria Steinem both is a real person in that in that universe, and these are actually the people that are, you know, sort of uh, running the things at at that time. You know, I don't know. It just uh... see that's 
That never that stuff never bothered me. It, what you do is you just don't watch any news, and then you don't have any spoilers, <laughs> and you don't have to worry about. It. But <laughs> no, but the thing that bothered me was how in episode two they they realized, oh wait, these kids we have are too young and they're not interesting. Let's invent a third daughter and some story to bring her in because we need a new character that's more interesting than these kids. Yeah, and but so, I like the daughter enough that I don't care about the fact that it was obviously a network note. That was, you know, dependent on them getting picked up. You need to add a third daughter. And the the main thing that bothered me in this in this most recent episode was the the her husband there is all concerned about ethics and like he's willing to let somebody die instead of just giving someone an A. Like who really cares? And yet he's all about the ethics. And then he's in the next scene, he's looking at his daughter's email, like spying on her, like reading all her secrets and stuff. He has no problems with that. But when it comes to killing someone because he won't give someone an a that's too uh, that's too bad for, for for my ethics i'm not gonna i'm gonna let that person die oh wait do they have a wife and kids oh then maybe oh, that's okay yeah if they were single then that's fine just let them die <laughs> like the whole thing is just weird like it just didn't make any sense i mean like, my, the, like i said i like the daughter enough that that it was kind of like i was willing to give it a pass i mean specifically you know, the idea of, you know, we see a lot of stories where, you know, like you see the effects of of the parents or the adults um, life interact with the children's. But it's always like kids. It's not like the, I like the fact that this character was somebody who was away at college and who basically had to quit college because she wasn't prepared for the, you know, political pop culture onslaught of having her mother be like, like this big important governmental person. Like I liked the story enough that I was able to forgive the fact that she came out of nowhere. I mean, how difficult would it have been to like drop a line into the pilot, you know, an ADR to explain the, you know, they've got a third daughter, third child away at college. Yeah. Although I I did like the storyline that they worked in where she was tempted to use her mother's name drop to get a job and then she actually like went back on that and realized no she didn't want to go with that and and didn't take the job yeah. but that she was seduced by that that possibility yeah I just like for that, a second i like that storyline too that i i think it did add something to it. it it did feel a little weird it also felt a little weird when they kept talking about it as of you know like the secret daughter you know type of thing that there was a story yeah. and you were just like well, they had to buy into the joke, Jason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, I, nobody. I think uh, some of what you're talking about, though, Ivy, with the the sort of the big problem of the week that they're that they've been, you know, they've really hit some like really big things here, uh, you know, with like you know embassy bombings and uh, you know leaked documents putting you know covert operatives in danger, and you know they've they've hit on lots of big stories here. That that it's true. It's like how if if this is going to go twenty two episodes for a season, like at the end of this, it it really is like. Well, forget the end of this. By the time we get to the Christmas episode, it's going to be about the the, the non vegetarian option in the foggy bottom cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, it's just there's so many there. There's like how many big stories? Like are are there smaller stories that they can tell? Or are there more internal? type of stories that they can, you know, uh, dealing with the things, you know, it, you know, internal problems or with other, other parts of the government or something. Uh, I don't know. It's, that's the thing is I don't know that even if some of these other things that, uh, 
that that bother me a little bit. That if you keep watching it, that all of a sudden it'll just seem too weird. That because uh, you'll have like basically every problem that's happened to like the last four presidents, you know, will all happen <laughs> to this guy in the first season. <laughs> you know, like. He's and, the unluckiest president we've ever had. Except that, she, except that she he brought her on and he she fixed them all, you know, before they got completely out of hand. Well, um, the UVA political science professor will save the day for everything. But I like I like some I like some of the storyline of you know her going to her husband and being like you know am I am I starting to lose it you know am I is this job starting to crack at my morality type of thing. And some of those conversations of, uh, you know, real world versus academic, uh, since both of them came from the academic world, I I think those are sort of interesting things to hit on, but uh, I I don't know going forward uh, how, how much longer this is another (laughs) three shows on this list that are sort of on the uh, probation. They're, they're, they're on probation for the next couple episodes well, what do you well, guys somebody... think about the the ongoing storyline with the conspiracy and the previous sex dates death and the death of the bill Souther character is they that enough to, to keep they, you drawn in they seem to have dropped that there was no mention of that at all in the most recent episode i was surprised that they didn't bring it up again like just to keep it yeah i was kind of surprised that they didn't bring it up again but then also that also gets annoying when they just have just like a little tidbit at the end of every episode that progresses this ongoing story. It's like the next time they bring it up, it, there should be something like, I liked how they brought it up in the last one where she is asking the guy that worked for him, you know, some questions about what, what they did and what they found. And, uh, you know, where she's sort of trying to hint around things without saying anything of what mm-hmm. she may believe, you know, type of thing. That those type of things, if the, they can bring it into the story that way, where it's not something that feels tacked on at the end of an episode, those overarching story type points, those, those are those are the ones that it's like you get fifty or you get a you get forty minutes of of show and then you know a minute of ongoing ongoing story arc at the end. Well, that's one of the episode. small things that I really like about you. Like to me, like a show like this is really about the small things. And I like the the power dynamic between her and the director of the CIA that, you know what I mean? She basically, you know, it, it seems to me, and I might be missing the canon a little bit, but the president used to be the director of the CIA kind of in the past, and that's when she worked for him. Well, if you if you play that out a little, the current director of the CIA would probably have been one of her bosses kind of in between the two. Um, but now she's a secretary of state, and, like, is she in – she's not directly in charge of the director of the CIA – but she seems to be telling him what to do all of the time. And, you know, I mean, yeah, she's a more senior, but is she in charge? And like, like I like the interesting power dynamics that you see there. I mean, it really kind of reminds me of, and I hate to make the comparison because they're, you know what I mean? They're shows that air after each other on the same network and they're tied to strong female characters. But like, it, it reminds me of the pi- the power dynamics, especially early on in The Good Wife. You know what I mean? Like you're watching it changing and you're watching it and 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 the evolution of that and who, you know what I mean? The the politics of power and the power of politics kind of tied in. But that's because I'm a I was a government major and like I used to study the stuff and care about the stuff until I got so fed up with politics that I could care less. But I like I'm intrigued by that dynamic on the show and I hope that they continue to play it. 
Yeah, I can. Uh, I can see. That. I. I like uh, the other thing I do like about the show is I actually like the home stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I like the that they that Tim Daly, you know, like a well-known you know, <laughs> actor is sort of the he's not really the stay at home dad, but he's the you know, he's really more taking care of the day to day stuff with the kids. And even though he has a job and, and as a professor and stuff is that I just find that uh, that storyline, the way that they've portrayed that relationship works, uh, works really good for me, too. Well, it's difficult to you, – you don't see that a lot because there's not a lot of shows that kind of carry this you know, strong female character as the lead, especially one as, as politically as powerful as this one. And to see that dynamic played out is interesting because we – you know what I mean? Like I, I almost want to like go back and rewatch Commander-in-Chief with Gina Davis with, that showed the female president interacting with the husband. And I think that in two shows, this episode or, – or three episodes now, I'm sorry – um, this this show has got that dynamic so much better than like the entire first season or only season of Commander in Chief did. I think that's probably one of the reasons why is because this show gets it right. But it's it's uh, but uh, but I'll say this: it is paired perfectly with a Good Wife. Oh yeah, you know, it, 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 is, it is a perfect pairing. They both got their like twelve minute first act before the opening credits. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> they, that's 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 the other interesting thing is even though they're by completely different people. It really is like the network went, we need a show that's not only compatible with, like, you know, has a strong female lead and, uh, you know, this stuff, but we want it to open the same type of thing where you're like <laughs> 10, 12 minutes into the episode and then you get, you know, it pops up and says the good wife or Madam Secretary or something like that. <laughs> uh, it It is, it I, I saw, thought that was interesting as well that <laughs> because there's no other shows on CBS that do that. No. Everything else opens normally with something small or and then goes to a credit sequence or, or something very few shows open uh and when they start it's 10 12 minutes before you get to the first commercial break well the i'll say this too is i'm very impressed that t leone is able to to carry the show the way that she has because you know what i mean she's done a lot in hollywood but it's never been i don't think she's ever had a role where she's had to a carry the show as much as she's carrying this one but do it dramatically as well you know what i mean this is the same actress that was in the naked truth 10 15 years ago you know what i mean like go back and look at that show and watch this show today and it's like wow look at look at how much that this actress has evolved and i'm just I was when they cast her like there's like I and and I will be the first to admit that I that I kind of I couldn't get rid of the bias of like she was the pretty model on the naked truth and now we're supposed to we're supposed to pair her on network television with Juliana Margulies in a show where she's supposed to be kind of that same powerful dramatic character and uh, you know I'll be darned in three episodes she is knocked it out of the park I think you're forgetting her performance in Deep Impact. <laughs> oh, when she's on the beach holding uh-huh. her phone. Hold me. And I, and I love Deep Impact. Like, don't get me, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, that's, that's one of those movies that you're flipping around on a Sunday afternoon and you hit it on TNT. You're like, oh, I'm going to watch me some Deep Impact today. I'm going to watch all of this movie with the commercial breaks. But I, you know. But I like no. I didn't expect. I did not. Ex- and shame on me. I did not expect her to be nearly as good as she's been in the show. So bravo to her. All right, that's uh, that'll do it for prime time. And, prime time. Yeah. And uh, 
let us know. You know, drop us a note in the comments, or uh, you know, send us a note to feedback at tvtimes three dot com, and you know, let us know what you think about these shows. Are uh, any of these on your probationary <laughs> TV list for right for new shows starting out the season? Everything's on Jason's probation yeah. list at this point. <laughs> and we'll move on to uh, TV recommendations. And uh, start out uh, with me just real quick. I sort of mentioned it last week uh, as as part of a pick. It's been uh, a pick previously as well from, uh, I think Ray recommended it uh, a, f- a few episodes back too. Uh, but The 100, uh, season one, which uh, came out on uh, Blu-ray and DVD on September 23rd. But uh, I wanted to mention it again because it also hits Netflix on uh, October 22nd, which is the day that uh, the second season premieres. But uh, if you're a Netflix fan and you want to wait, you know, you can start DVR and second season episodes and you can catch up on those 13 episodes pretty quick. Or you can do like uh, Carl uh, at My Vogue and Poetry on, uh, on Twitter. He uh, took our recommendation, has been watching it and enjoying it. So you could uh, join him in uh, getting ready for uh, season two, which really was one of the better new shows uh, last uh, season. Well, Carl is a lucky man because I would – this is one of those shows that I would – could I erase my memory and go back and watch the first season again and watch like the the, the heavy stuff that goes down in episodes two or three and four? Like I'm I'm looking forward to it hitting on Netflix because I'm I'm going to watch the show when it premieres, um, but I'm going to rewatch the first the first season the weekend it comes out back on Netflix because it was just so good, so good, so good. And with that, sorry, what is your recommendation? Maybe a, a little something to drink while you're watching. Yeah, if if you're if you're going to watch the hundred, you should you should definitely I don't know. I don't know if you guys have ever done a TV recommendation exactly like this, but um, Game of Thrones has now HBO in conjunction with a a brewery as up in New Jersey, I believe, has has now released their fourth themed beer or ale to go along with the show. Uh, And the this this fourth one uh, was released on October 1st. So last week it's called Valor Magulis. It's a it's a double ale. Um, I wish that I were a craft beer drinker and I could sit here and I've got to I've got to do a I've got to do a a review of it here in the next couple of days. Um, And I don't have the vocabulary that like these, you know, we're geeks about television. There are geeks about craft beer that could probably break it down and tell you everything about it. Um, I really like it. It's a it's 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 much more complex than what I normally drink. I'm sorry, I'm the cider guy. You know, throw a woodchuck or a angry orchard at me, and I'm a happy guy. Um, but this it, it has a really heavy malty taste, um, but it's kind of infused with a lot of sweets, um, some caramel and some other fruits, and and some fruits that really kind of that that kind of complete that that flavor, um, and it's good. Check it out if you can find it. Um, thanks to HBO for sending me a couple of bottles to review. So, yay, be- hoo- hooray, beer! And uh, what is your uh, your pick, Kyle? Uh, so for my pick, I'm going with uh, Fargo Season 1, which comes out on Blu-ray and DVD October 14th. Um, I wasn't really a huge fan of the movie when I first saw it in the theater, and then 
I enjoyed it more when I saw it later on, so I was a little skeptical about um, what this series would be like, but I think it does a great job at capturing like the same look and feel of the movie while also providing like a brand new story and also throws in some, some nods to the film uh, throughout it. Um, what I really liked about this, even though it's, uh, it's coming back for a second season, it's like the season is one self-contained story, so you don't have to worry about, oh, it's coming back, did they leave something open because they wanted to bring back characters but they're they're treating it more like uh, an anthology series where it's going to be a completely different uh, characters and stuff the next time uh, and this time around uh, like Billy Bob Thornton does an excellent job playing this really creepy uh, uh, murder killer type of person and like just the whole season itself it like really progresses across the season it's just both fun creepy there's like some really tense moments it's just a really entertaining show it's only like 13 episodes maybe even less but uh definitely worth checking out uh it's a entertaining show yeah it's the type of show that i kind of like in this day and age of uh you're not quite sure (laughs) what's actually going to hit or what's gonna you know what's gonna miss but this sort of anthology thing if it does you know if it does work they'll do another another one with the you know Maybe, you know, maybe they could use some same people. Maybe they don't. Maybe they hire all new cast. But you get a story. You know that, like, there's not going to be something, like you said, at the end where you're just like, wait, what? And, yeah, and this and wasn't one of those shows where they said, oh, it's a limited event series. And then under the dome, cough, cough, change their mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, it really is a self-contained story. So you don't have to worry about that. Like, it's really nice in that aspect. Why? Why you got to throw shade under the dome? I mean, are you are you are you saying that the second season wasn't able to keep up with the cinematic mastery <laughs> that was the first season? I don't know. I stopped watching after the first episode of the second season. So I, I watched the entire you. second season. <laughs> it had it had Rochelle the first. I like there's you, me, and her. We're going all the way. Like that. That's like I don't I'm watch anything. I'm going to be watching till that dome comes up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like her too, but. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> like I'm, I was like, I don't agree with the idea of hate watching, but I'm going to tolerate watch this tolerate show. Right? Just, <laughs> right. just, just to get through to the end. All right. And on that note, hopefully you haven't been tolerate listening to uh, the podcast today. You can find uh, links to the news stories that we uh, talked about, uh, as well as uh, the TV recommendations uh, we just made. Uh, we'll have links to those in the show notes, as well as where you can find Ivy and Kyle uh, online at tvtimes3.com slash 245. And uh, next week, uh, Amory will be back with me. She actually will this time because we've we've said it. it we know that it's actually <laughs> happening. Sure. <laughs> and Whatever our guests will be uh, Brian Kane from uh, the Central City Underground and the Aero Squad podcast. And uh, I don't know, we might be talking about The Flash and Arrow on next week's podcast. What? Spoiler alert. But uh, with that, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party from the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And uh, thanks again, Ivy and Kyle, for joining me on episode 245. Thanks for having having me. me. Thanks for tolerating me. (laughs) (laughs) We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do. And watch TV and have a couple of drinks.